This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Damn these Biloxi Blues. It happens every night. Every night. I ain't never met a riverboat nope. dealer that could ever be a friend of mine. I have. Summer heat never treats me kind. It leaves trouble on my mind. So I'm bidding farewell, putting in my notice, and I'll see you at another time. Sick. This highway does not know my name, and I don't care who. Not even kind of. Heading my way for another place, and I got three good tires and a spare. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to get there. Budget. Live, the not-so-live variety from the low-budget live bar and grill in beautiful southern middle Tennessee. And this is the podcast for Monday, October 23rd, 2023. And I hope all you low-lifers are doing well out there in low-lifer land. And if I sound like a frog, y'all know how I get. I'll be losing that voice every now and then. And I was, uh, I don't even want to say this, but the uh, yeah, I've talked on the phone all week. As you can imagine, did some traveling, and uh, there was one day I swear on everything that I uh, there was the day after the Wednesday emergency the po- emergency press conference podcast. So Thursday that I think I talked on the phone for honest to God like twelve hours straight. Like it's uh, it's ridiculous, but really the main reason I sound like this today is because of the Tennessee Alabama game, mainly the second half because the first half was f- I mean great time if you're a Tennessee fan. Second half. 
was typical uh, Tennessee football. So <laughs> still go big orange, but ugh, that one was an ugly one. And I was doing some screaming. I was doing some drinking. Okay. I was doing some drinking. I was doing some screaming, but I am horse. I'm very horse. But uh, thanks to everybody that watched that special edition Wednesday uh, news, emergency news broadcast complete with poster board there's no poster board (laughs) today it's still scattered in the floor i haven't been home to pick it up at all uh i gotta tell a funny story i was telling somebody forget who dude again i've talked to so many freaking people this week and uh got caught up with a lot of good friends and and made some new friends and (laughs) in this fishing world this week but uh interestingly enough but uh so i i had that idea for the uh the poster board which was just dumb and my math was terrible I'm, i apologize it's actually 35 anglers that are getting cut from the bass pro tour i know i went to county school um blaming on my my redneck education so i, I was sitting at the kitchen table and i was kind of like having a an internal debate on whether or not to do a show and i did have some stuff going on that day and i was like work-wise man i don't really i don't know but i didn't want to wait till till this episode really because there's just so much going on so I decided to send it, but I, I had the idea for, cause I was like, this has been so confusing. And, and basically, you know, a majority of the comments I was getting and, and DMS were like, what the hell's going on? Which I said on the Wednesday show. And, and so I decided, you know what, I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'm going to break it down from a fundamental standpoint from everybody on the poster board. I wanted to do a cork board. I had all kinds of ideas, but I ended up, I go, went to Walmart, which uh, I hate. And, I go to get, I, I wanted to get an easel. So it just wasn't so crazy to set them on. Couldn't find an easel. Ended up buying poster board. But the funny part about all this, and I can't even remember, maybe it was uh, Todd Castledine. Can't remember who I was talking to about this. But I, I, I got to self checkout because, of course, because nobody, uh, you know, they got 37 registers. Nobody works there anymore, right? Walmart. And, I, and I'm like, I wanted five pieces of poster board. Wow, that was the number. I don't know, but I'm like, beep, beep, beep. Scanning my stuff, 44 cents, right? 44 cents, super low budget presentation. And and this lady who's apparently the protector of the self-check. Now, look, I see people checking out, and I know they ain't checking out everything they get. You know what I mean? Like, they don't properly train us as employees. So I know everybody's like, boop. And then they put like an extra in the back. I, I feel like people, I'm not saying I've done it. I'm just saying people probably do it. I don't see them getting talked to very often, especially when it's really busy. Wasn't busy on Wednesday morning. And and this lady comes running up, got her Walmart vest on, and she says, sir, you've got six pieces of poster board, not five. I watched you ring up five, not six. <laughs> I said, well, lady, I, obviously, if you watched the show last week, you know my mask bad, but I said, she didn't watch it. She's not a low lover. And I said, I, I'm sorry, lady. I, I did. I thought I had five. I counted them. You know, she goes, no, there are two stuck together. Dude, the Walmart lady, I mean, she was ready to roll. And I was like, hey, take it easy. I know you're probably pissed off because they put all the Christmas crap out in like August. And, and that's really stupid, but don't take it out on me, right? Like, don't take that out on me. So yeah, I got I got in trouble at Walmart for trying to steal one of the pieces of poster board, man. I was like, boy, duck it, trying to steal something from somebody. <laughs> but yeah, I had to tell that like I got in trouble at Walmart. Surprisingly enough, um, imagine that. 
so yeah, crazy week with all that and uh, two podcast week. Might do two this week too. I've got a I've got uh got to go to MPFL this week for our season finale there at Lake Lanier to see who's going to win that progressive angler of the year race to see how it all shakes out. Should be another really fun event there like you follow was except big old spotted bass in the mix. I love that lake. It's one of my top 5 that I've ever been fortunate enough to go to in all my travels, but uh leave Thursday for that. And uh, I do, I've got, I've got so, I've got a lot of guests reaching out that want to be on the show right now, which is very cool. And, and I'll go ahead and and preface this by saying this week's, excuse me, this week's show, no MLFers. Um, I've talked to so many guys from BPT to make your head spin. They're kind of feeling this deal out. There are a lot of them that want to come on. Uh, My dear friend, James Watson, so many of y'all low lifers reached out about that. You want a Watson episode? We may do one this week. We may do one middle of the week. Watson, and I quote, James Watson is deep, deep in the woods doing God knows what without phone service this weekend. He and I talked on Friday. We're going to try to do one uh, for Monday, and it just didn't work out. But a lot of the other guys I talked to, and it was a lot, uh, they want to do a show. They're kind of waiting. Of course, you've probably seen the press release that came out. We're going to get into all that in just a minute. But they, uh, they're kind of wanting to lay back a little bit right now, and I don't blame them for that, and they'll let me run my mouth. So uh, before we do that, let's talk about sponsors, and then uh, and then we'll jump into it. Star Tried, kicking ethanol in the teeth, this blue juice right here. Enzyme-powered fuel treatment kicks ethanol right in the teeth. Ethanol is, I've said it multiple times, it's like that creepy uncle at the cookout. Hey, who, what, you got you a girlfriend? Uh, your mama said you got you a girlfriend. Just like standing there awkwardly while you're trying to get a hot dog, which makes it even weirder, right? Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy. You, 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 your mama said you got you a hot, uh, girlfriend. That's what ethanol is, right? That's what ethanol does to an outboard engine right there. It's Uncle Randy. If I've offended him by name, Randy, I'll probably do it again, you know. But you can put a little dab of this in your tank, and you can get Uncle Randy away from your outboard engine. You can keep it from ruining your lawnmower. It's time to put that sucker up for the year. If it's got any gas left in it, you better drop some ethanol. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm just all miscombined. You better drop some Startron in there to fight stupid, dumb ethanol. Kick ethanol in the teeth with Startron. <clears throat> Last, y'all going to hear me do that uh, a lot. Pro Guide Batteries, ProGuideBatteries.com, code you can use, LBL10 there, the code to let them know you're a lowlifer at ProGuideBatteries.com for some of the best lithium batteries in the game by somebody. They're not a fly-by-night company. If you get on professional fishing Instagram right now, it's, you know, Danny's batteries, right? There's power, super power, super power lithium batteries. There's, I mean, you name it. Okay, there's lots of companies out there, but I can assure you one thing with ProGuide. They've been in the business for many, many, many years. They're standard OEM equipment for a lot of bass boat builders. Stick with a name that's been in the battery business, and these lithiums are absolutely amazing. ProGuideBatteries.com. Another one of them websites you can get on, let them know you're a low-lifer. BaitWorks.com. Bait-WRX.com. Bait-Works.com. Dot com is where you can get the little old L-O-B jig, the power finesse jig. I actually fished this morning for a little bit and caught some on the old L-O-B with the boys. 
LOB Power Finesse Jig custom trocar hook in that bad boy. Finer than frog hair skirt. Designed really for this time of year. Some of these fall fronts you get just make fishing kind of eh. Hit them with that LOB. Comes in seven amazing fish catching colors at bait-works.com. But they have a wide array of swim baits, topwaters, square bills. This time of year, lots of things going on pattern-wise, depending on where you're at. Baitworks has what you need. Bait-works.com. Duncan-10 saves you money. Let's them know you are a low-lifer. And last but not least, hang it. Hang the imaginary banner. Express Boats, Hot Springs, Arkansas. I got to visit with the wonderful people at Express Boats this week in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Had to take the X-21 out there for a little TLC. And I uh, spent some time with some of my favorite people in this daggum world out there at Express Boats. They've got Bay Boats. And they've got the X-21 LE like I'm running that's bow to stern with that sea deck. It's got the best hole shot in the game. Pushed. Buy 250 Yamaha show. They're exclusive with Yamaha across the board. And uh, I think that speaks highly of what Yamaha has done over the years because a lot of Yamaha-only companies are owned by Yamaha Express, has a choice, and they pick to go exclusive with Yamaha. And I, I think that's awesome. And they have the Veranda Pontoon line there. Um, just really, to me, I was talking to, to uh, Mr. Herndon, Roy Herndon, of express boats while I was out there. And he, he said something that was just so, I don't know, man, it, it just hit me. The economy's crazy right now. Y'all all know that we're feeling a pinch and interest rates are crazy. And he was talking about their business. And, you know, if you're going to go buy a fiberglass bass boat right now, and there are a lot of fantastic fiberglass bass boat companies out there. I know many of them and I know the folks that work there. They're fantastic people, uh, a lot like the express family, but Price-wise, you're gonna man. You're like looking at six figures right now on a lot of those boats. And this, this, these times are where if you're in the market for a new boat, why go glass when you can not give up anything and spend a lot less money? Check out an Express, the X19, the X21 are tournament ready, absolute badass rigs. Express boats building excitement since 1966. Also, also, my Express. Right now, 2023 will be for sale very soon. It is, I mean, it's for sale right now, but it'll be ready for a new home very, very, very soon. All right, here we go. I got some notes here. So many things. Uh, first of all, I want to say congrats to Terry Tucker and Jeremy Green for winning the Alabama Bass Trail Championship in $50,000. Dude, that is insane money Miss Kay and team are giving away there in the ABT. I've said it many, many times. That's not the 100s at Little Train I Fish, but that's the team series. A couple hundred boats or more in each each event. They have a North Division, a South Division. They put them all together for that championship. It was on Weiss Lake, Coosa River. Terry Tucker and Jeremy have won everything this fall, I feel like, for the last you know five, six weeks. It feels like Smith Lake Bass Fest, which is a big one. If, if you're in the area, you understand that's a 15 grand check. They just won 50 there. Terry is one of my... Uh, He's one of my fishing heroes, man. I, I I did battle with him and met him, you know, when I was 16 years old, fishing as a co-winger or some red man stuff. But he's just that guy on the Coosa River, and it's uh, it, it's very cool to see him still this many years later from when I first met him, still very dominant with a rod and reel, and he's uh he, he's trouble on the water. But congrats to those guys, man. They uh, 
and, and Jeremy's a fantastic angler, obviously as well. That's his that's his uh, partner there, and, and uh, they did it, man. Fifty grand on Weiss Lake. So shout out to Miss Kay and team. We we've got one more ABT one hundred man little tray here in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to uh, mixing it up and an ABT as well coming up here. But I uh, also want to say congrats to Will Davis Jr. Just ridiculous, man, going back-to-back in that Federation event, Bass Nation Championship. Lake Hartwell goes back-to-back, and uh, dude's having himself a really, really fantastic last 365 days <laughs> of bass fishing. Will, is uh, that's no easy feat there. Of course, he automatically qualifies from winning last year. Fantastic year on the Elite Series, wins an event, going back to the Classic. So crazy, crazy stuff right there at the Bass Nation Championship. All right, moving on, moving on. Like I said, it's been a week. It's been a week. I have, uh, between my thumbs are bleeding from texting, and, <laughs> and you know, when you, when you are in the bass fishing media world, I guess, which is, you know, I am, uh, much to actual media's chagrin because I, 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 tend to speak my mind uh man i've had a lot of people reaching out and and whether it be people that are sorry to drink right into the mic people that are uh, wanting to give me details about everything going on people that are asking what the hell's going on like industry sponsors that are a part of this debacle um a lot of people a lot of people i never heard from really anybody that was like you're wrong. <laughs> Your Wednesday's podcast was wrong. I heard from from so many uh, folks in the industry. It was like, dude, never change, which makes me laugh. But never change, and and uh, appreciate everything you're doing. But I ha- I did have a really interesting conversation, and I will this this angler will remain nameless for now until uh, he's ready to talk on here. But uh, we've we've known each other for a while now, and and. Uh, he calls me on Friday, and I know many of you have seen the press release on the APC, the Angler Protection Committee. So first of all, I just want to say it's really stupid that we have to have this in our sport, but other leagues have it. But this is uh, the Angler Protection Committee. And let me read this press release. So I know a lot of you have seen this by now uh, because it did come out, let's see, October 20th, came out on Friday, but... Angler Protection Committee, BPT anglers respond to recent MLF Bass Pro Tour changes. This was a this was a press release that was sent out. Riverside, California is where it's out of. We have recently received a proposal outlining plans for from the MLF. We are currently in the process of carefully reviewing various aspects of the proposal. The anglers passionate about the growth and success of the league agree that adjustments in the business model are necessary and are eager to work towards an agreement that assures everyone's continued prosperity. Having built their careers within the league, the majority of the anglers are original founding members who possess a genuine commitment to continual advancement of the MLF platform. As we embark on the review process, our primary goal is to establish a stronger and more fruitful relationship with the league that can endure for years to come. The APC, Angler Protection Committee, is a strategic alliance of Bass Pro Tour anglers. And I think I said last week or maybe even on Wednesday that I heard that there was some organization trying to take place. The problem with that in bass fishing typically is, you know, you're not going to get all 80. 
right? Like that's, that's just, and then that kind of leaves you where this thing is headed anyways, because Boyd doesn't give a about any of this. He doesn't. And that's not Luke Duncan saying that Boyd himself said, I don't give a about any of this and I'm not going to uh, negotiate with terrorist. <laughs> I mean, he basically, he didn't say terrorist. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, I'm not paraphrasing. I am joking. He did not say that. Don't sue me, Boyd. You have, you have money. You have lots of anglers money. Um, but here, but there was an article on, uh, bassfan.com. I can't even believe they shared it because they're owned by the same company as MLF, but they did. MLF president and CEO Boyd Duckett, who's also a BPT competitor, told BassFan today that he had no comment on the formation of the APC and didn't plan to participate in negotiations with the group. He said angler issues are routinely addressed through the MLF Anglers Association, a body that separates from that's separate from the league and consists of six officers, five of whom are anglers, and eight board members, all anglers. You know, the problem with that is, the problem with that is this thing was angler voted on at times, different uh, topics that came up, obviously. Not anymore. I've heard that there was kind of a sneaky little secret meeting that was held with a certain group of anglers that led to these decisions. They didn't, you know, they didn't ask them. They didn't ask them about going back to every fish council. They didn't ask them about any of this. They were just working on it and said, Hey, here's your big spoonful of dog turds and you can eat that and wash it down with some gasoline. If you don't like it, we don't give a, we don't give a what you think. And now this is very much saying that, but here, here's some more from dictator Duckett himself. Um, He's saying he basically doesn't even know what the APC is. Duckett said he empathizes with anglers who will no longer have a place on the BPT after next year, but he believes that the reduction is necessary in order for the league to achieve its goal of increased online viewership by non-traditional fans. Still growing the sport. We're growing it. There's always been a lot more than 80 guys who want to fish the Bass Pro Tour. There's probably 10,000 guys who'd like to have a PGA Tour card, but only 177 guys do. That's a terrible comparison. <laughs> but okay. For us to be successful, the model doesn't work with 80. We need 50. It's going to be a, it's going to be good for professional fishing in the long run, but the downside is it's hard on those who can't make it. Everyone's going to have a fair chance. Now, this is coming from a guy that couldn't make it, right? Like he, ain't, he couldn't make it. If you gave him 40 years to make it, he couldn't make it. Right. And, and so it's, but he's also very, been very successful in life and he's not going to be impacted by this at all. I wish we could feed. This is the quote that I love. I wish we could feed 400 of them, but we can't right now. I wish we could feed 400 of them, but we can't right now. That is, uh, that is some very typical corporate crap that you hear, you know, when folks lose their jobs because of this or that for others to get fat and happy usually. And, um, and it's, it's, it's terrible, man. I, I do. I hate it that these guys potentially could get together on this and they're not going to hear it out. I, I think if, if a select group of them choose to leave, and there are, there are several that I do think are leaving that are bigger names. I, sh I shouldn't say several. There are big names I'm hearing that are poking their noses other places. I've heard a lot of that this week. Of course, everybody's emotional right now. Maybe they haven't talked to sponsors. Maybe they have, but there are decisions being made. And they got to make them kind of quick because November 1st is when their contracts <laughs> uh, have to be signed. 
and so they can pay more entry fees this year because the entry fees are going up this year. I've talked to several anglers. The entry fees are going up. At least that's what's been proposed. They had some kind of loan worked out with the MLFAA. Remember that deal where they fronted it, but so you were only out of pocket like ten grand. It was kind of a bizarre setup. That's dead and gone. That's probably why they didn't want MLFAA, um, you know, negotiating for them. And and this was uh, created. I talked to the guy that is one of the main ones that have stepped up into this. I talked to him for an hour on Friday and, uh, and I asked him to do a podcast and he, he did not want to do that right now. He said, man, here, here's, here you go. And, uh, he appreciated my, my approach on Wednesday and, and, and he knows that ultimately my goal is with, with this podcast is to inform fans that do love the sport to inform the people that are, you know, the young people out there that that are coming up through high school, coming up through college, that this is all kind of crazy, right? Like it's 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 not easy. And there's a lot of shenanigans at play a lot of times, right? But but ultimately, this podcast is to because I've been an angler and I care about so many. It's just I support the anglers. Like whether you agree with everything I say, like this is about standing up for anglers, the things that come out of my mouth, right? Because a guy like Boyd Duckett doesn't give a damn because he doesn't have to give a damn because he's never had to give a damn, right? Um, if you've ever seen his house on Gunnersville, and look, good for him. It's a ball and pad, right? Good for him. But if you've ever seen that, he doesn't know what the word struggle means, right? Like he's going to black tie dinners and he's jet setting around with the guy from Rascal Fats. Um, like he ain't worried about it, right? He ain't worried about it. Gary Klein, they ain't worried about it. Y'all, they're not. They're not worried about these anglers. He's worried about a few <laughs> for obvious reasons, but he's not worried about all of them. He's just not. And and so I, this is going to get very interesting. I will say I think that first little – the press release I read you is just a kind of dipping their toe in the water, and it's very – let's see. There was a line in it that I laughed about after talking to him on the phone. Let's see. The anglers passionate about the growth and success of the league agree that adjustments in the business model are necessary and are eager to work towards an agreement that assures everyone's continued prosperity. Um, this is just their first little like dink, like walking up to the line and like don't dunk, thumping him, thumping him, dunk, dunk, or walking up to the wolf, <laughs> walking up to the wolf, kind of thumping him or throwing a rock to see what he see what he does, and uh, and now. A wolf in sheep's clothing. And uh and and so now here we are. Boyd says, uh double bird, meep. He says he's he's not gonna hear it. And and drum roll shocker. Everybody saw that coming. Uh, but man, when you some some of these anglers that I've talked to this week, and I know I was I, I tried to be funny Wednesday with my approach on a lot of that, but man, this is pretty damn serious. And I get cry me a river, go get a regular job, you fishing bum or whatever with these these people that that won't have really a space in professional fishing after after this year, thirty five of them. Man, there are a lot of them that do pretty pretty damn good for themselves, sponsor wise, and this is their life, and that gives them a platform. There, there's a lot of long time pros that are getting called up in this. There's a lot, and again. When he says, I wish we could feed 400 of them, but, you know, and then he says 80 is not feasible. It's 50. Well, you know what? 80 was feasible when you begged everybody to tell Bass to kiss your ass. 
right? 80 was feasible when you bought FLW and you dismantled it. 80 was feasible. Well, now it's not. And that sucks. It does suck. Again, I, I feel for these guys. And, and I've seen comments, lay in your bed that you made and all that. I addressed that Wednesday as well. I can't, I can't get into that because now, and I'll tell you, the guy that called me about this APC, and I hope that we get to do a podcast in the next few weeks. I hope we do. He is, he was, and it's funny, he was their biggest flag-waving supporter and all that when they left the Elite Series. The biggest, okay? Hated this guy's guts. The biggest. And now he's like, Boy Duckett is the biggest I've ever seen. And he's a snake. And, you know, look, man. It was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. But here we are. Something else that was brought up to, again, contracts November 1st. I got so many notes. But uh, this was something else I didn't realize. And they haven't. I don't think they've publicized this. Only 20 going to their knockout round instead of 40. It's been a four this year. This year. I think 40 get paid, but only 20 are going to be on TV. Like, they're they're adjusting on live, excuse me. They're adjusting a lot of things already this year. But the biggest problem, and we'll end with this because I got a great guest today. The biggest problem these anglers have, biggest problem, is if 35 or 40 of them are all you can get to commit to your APC, <laughs> that's what that SOB wants anyways. Like if you were to say, screw you, we're not fishing this year. Okay, cool. Plan just bumped up here. And then, and, and man, it's it's a tough time of year. You know, I've had several folks reach out about MPFL. I know the Bass Opens are getting a look, but man, it's it, that that tour level, that BPT level, love it or hate it, is still a lot of coverage, not a lot of boats. And when you're doing it for a living to be able to promote your sponsors, it's hard to make a decision to go from that to something else. It just is. And that's why they've handcuffed so many of these guys, even when they were unhappy for the last few years. And now they're in this spot, which is a crossroads for so many anglers. And one of the anglers I talked to, he said, man, I just signed a contract two weeks ago based on the fact that I fished the Bass Pro Tour with two new big sponsors. I've got a family. If I tell them I'm not fishing that level, they'll probably take this away from me, you know, and that's where Boyd knows he's got these guys, period, end of story, period, end of story, for at least this year. And uh, I just think, man, whew, this is going to be, like I can't put enough emphasis on the drama that could come from this headed into the next season before that first event at Toledo Bend and how tense those are going to be. Boy, I mean – I wouldn't want to be that son of a gun. I wouldn't show my face around him. Not without some damn bodyguards. He better get that old boy from Rascal Flats. I'm in. Like, stand next to him. <laughs> or in between him and some of these boys. <laughs> you better, big dog. Because mm, the natives are restless. All right. We're going to talk to a young man that uh, I'm a huge fan of. I met him after he made the classic through the college bracket a few years ago. Uh, visited with him multiple times during the opens. He's been a dude that's been, he's been after it. He's been after it for a very long time over there in those opens. 
And finally this year, he's been first guy out a couple times, narrowly, narrowly missed it. Very consistent angler. He has won $170,000, give or take, in those opens. In fishing, he's gotten checks in almost half of the events he's ever fished, but he finished second to JT Tompkins in the EQ points this year. And I want to try to do a spotlight on most of these guys because they deserve the love. They fought through the gauntlet of the Opens, nine events to get to where they're at, and this guy did it almost as good as ever anybody else did it other than JT Tompkins. Ladies and gentlemen, from Union City, Tennessee, John Garrett. All right, as promised, here he is, number two in those Bassmaster EQ standings, but he will gladly take number two any day of the week because it gets him a ride to the Bassmaster Elite Series. John Garrett, welcome to Low Budget Live. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Good to good to be back. Um, yeah. Done some in the past, but never really on a good note, so it's kind of <laughs> nice, nice to change things around a little bit. Man, you know, I was thinking about that. I was making my notes earlier for this episode and your stat lines, man, you, you've gotten checks in almost half the events you fished, which is a, a feat in itself. You've got several top tens. You've got some seconds. You've got some thirds, but that win has eluded you and you, you started this, you started this, but oh, I know. Yeah. The, the last time we talked, man, you, you lost on a technicality. It's in the rules. I, I don't necessarily agree with the punishment fitting the crime, but cost you out there on the uh, old Arkansas river. Yeah, it, you wouldn't believe how many – actually, every tournament, someone brings that up, I feel like. So, it's something that I'll always be dragging with me, probably until hopefully I win one. Then it can kind of get, get over that. But, yeah, I'm with you. The two-pound penalty is pretty steep for the small crime. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, so try to leave that behind us. And no doubt, a, man. Chase a blue trophy instead of a black trophy now. That- you know, that's what I said in the intro. I'm like, this guy, I, I do feel like this man out of the group. And I, and I mean, no disrespect to anybody that qualified because it's so unbelievably hard, especially with the format this year going, you know, over nine events. But you were a guy that I said to many people headed into this EQ, you know, kind of rebirth, right? Like, hey, this is the new qualifying format. I said, you better watch Garrett because He'll, he's going to be in there because you you were doing that anyways, right? This wasn't new to you, and, man, you, you absolutely crushed it all year. felt like if I had to scroll past, like, 30th, uh, you know, your name was always going to be up there, man. And that is – I just don't think people realize the difficulty of those Opens. And, and, man, how many years total did you compete in the Opens? I fished a half-season – in 2017 um, i won the college classic bracket Mm -hmm. and if you win that you basically have to fish the open so i fished about half of them started bombing my classes and i was only doing okay in the tournaments so i was like all right i've got to graduate so i finished out that school year and 2018 i did not fish or 2019 whenever the mlf bassmaster swap happened whatever year that was no it was uh yeah 19 yeah 19. so um i fished 18 did not fish 19 um they took like 40 guys and so i fished a full 18 and then a full 20 a full 21 and now a full 23 so four full years of the opens okay 
amazing, man. And I, I think just the wear and tear on your body, your equipment, your mental state at times, because you're, you've been very close multiple times. And this year though, you said, you know what, right, at, right out of the rip at the first one, you're like all gas, no brakes. And dude, you never really, you never had a, a bad spot. Was there ever a, a moment through those nine where you thought, Oh boy, this is the one where I kind of crash. Cause it, because if you have a bad one, you just automatically drop out of that top nine. I feel like, right. I mean, that's fair to say, like, it's so freaking competitive. Yeah. I mean, you know, one tournament, as you know, you fish them too. One tournament just ruins your whole season. And I was flowing really good. Um, good to my decisions, good to my practice until the St. Lawrence river, and that ended up being my worst tournament, but it wasn't an awful tournament. And I went in practicing there different than I had all year. Every every tournament this year, I went first day of practice, how do I get bites? Practice days two through five, how do I win this tournament? And yep, St. Lawrence River, I was like, how do I survive without having to run 90 miles? That's what yeah. I did. And, you know, looking back, yes, I did survive that tournament, but I stayed close for three days of practice, didn't find anything worth going to. Then the wheels started turning in my head. It's like, oh, dang, day and a half left. I spent a full day up by the cutoff, like 90 miles away. Then I spent another half day kind of that midsection where it opens up around Alex Bay. And during the tournament, you know, more to the tournament, I'm like, well, I know I'm not going to catch anything like I need to st- when I, if I stay close, but I don't know if I can catch five running 90 miles in that weather. Um, so I picked the the medium, you know, gamble there. But, yeah, that was the only tournament this year that I did not feel safe and I didn't go for, like, doing really good in the tournament. Um, that's the only really regret that I had this season for sure. Well, and I think so much gets put on those smallmouth events as well in, you know, everybody's going to catch them, right? Like, you know that. Like, you know when you show up at a fishery that's that good, everybody's going to catch them, and there's a big difference in 18 pounds and, like, 18 and a half, right? Or 19. Like, there's such a huge difference. So, the points were going to get very interesting there, and we saw some big shakeups in that event uh, because you always seem to handle yourself – and, and and the guys, and you'll see this, the guys that are always consistent, whether it's Elite Series, BPT, whatever, in the tougher events, they seem to excel, right? Because that momentum train's going and they figure it out. They figure out how to survive. But when you throw everybody on one of the best fisheries in the world, everybody's going to catch them. And you just got to figure out how to catch those better than average. Or like you said, survive because, dude, if you mechanical issues, I, I would understand where you would not want to go, you know, I'm I'm not going 90 miles this yeah. far in the season one way. If I blow a power head, something crazy happens. I know you got great equipment, but something crazy happens, you're done right then. It happens every tournament, but every time we go to a fishery like that, I mean, I heard of four or five guys blowing motors in that tournament that haven't had an issue all year, and it's just kind of like it's scary to think about when you have not only your – season on the line but kind of the past four seasons that i've had you know it's like okay i got this stuff going like i want to do good i want to catch them but i don't want to tear tear my stuff up either 
No, I, I completely understand, man. It's, uh, it's yeah. such a gamble. And you do want to try to win to get back to the classic. I get that. But when you're in the position you were in, it's completely understandable. Do you think, because uh, there's a lot of hype around it, do you think this is the strongest rookie class? I said this about last year's class, too, to be fair. Uh, and some did very well. Obviously, uh, Joey Fuentes winning too. Will Davis, you know, so many guys really mix it up this year. But do you think this is the strongest rookie class headed to the elites that we've seen in a while, maybe ever? You know, we'll find out next year uh, for sure. But this year on the water, the season lined up for a particular style of fishing. It it was it was a strictly offshore tournament season. I mean, every single tournament, I was able to catch them offshore, and so was that top nine or ten of the points. And when I look at that, the people that made it, they're offshore fishermen, every single one of them. And that uh, that correlated with our schedule. And, I, I mean, next year, the elite schedule, mostly offshore fishing, but on a traditional elite series season you see two or three or four site fishing tournaments you know come through LMA so it may not translate in the long run but I'll I'll say this the offshore tournaments that we have going forward the guys that made it this year they're going they're going to be pretty tough to handle I, I will say that well just from watching and keeping up and and knowing so many of y'all that made it I mean you know, your strengths are definitely electronics and offshore. And you're a Tennessee River guy, man. This is what you you were born and bred to be an offshore guy. <laughs> you're a Kentucky Lake kid. You've got to be able to, to catch them offshore. But you are more – I won't even put you in the category like some of these guys, though. And, and I don't want to get into the live scope stuff. Everybody comments, these guys would never make it without live scope. And you know what? We'll, we'll never know. It's like LeBron versus Jordan, right? Uh, LeBron had access to a lot of different things that Jordan never did and they never played each other. So who cares? This is the era of professional bass fishing we are in and you are seeing people excel a lot of different ways, but, but thanks to electronics, of course, but I put you in this category. You're like, you're an old school, like dragger dude. Like you, you, you'll see John Garrett with the, with old worm dragging around and, and, uh, that's that Tennessee river kind of like back in the day stuff, but you ain't afraid to mix it up old school. You love to crank. Obviously we've seen you do yeah. that, but, but I don't necessarily put you in that bucket of the forward facing, you know, uh, generation. I feel like you're, you got an old soul, man. Yeah. Um, I guess that's a compliment nowadays. Yeah, I mean, oh, for sure. A million percent. No, yeah. that, that's absolutely a compliment, man, because yeah. I think it makes you more versatile. Yeah. Um, I will say this, that, about the forward facing deal it has you know made me a little better at what i do but it has not changed how i approach and how i fish a body of water i'm i find 95 percent of the stuff i fish on my side scan and you know the forward facing it i mean it helps me catch a few fish but it's helping me just be more precise in my cast as everybody knows that um and as far as the dragon goes you know in the past few years, I have tried to target big bites in all my tournaments. And I'm not saying I didn't do that this year, but this year my mindset was get every single point I can, get every ounce. And if I got a 12 incher, I'll be glad to have a 12 and a half incher, you know, and I'll be glad to replace that 12 and a half incher with a 13 incher. 
And this year, if I knew a place that had a fish, I was going to drag something through there, whether it be a shaky head, a drop shot, a finesse worm, or a, a worm. I mean, Carolina rig. This yeah. year, let me put all that big fish stuff in my lo- in my rod locker at the time. Let me get those bites. Because to me this year, me getting more bites led to an occasional four or five pounder. It, it just seemed like that to me. And I could tell when I pulled up to fish something this year, me saying, let me make sure I get that bite before I try to get a big one. Oftentimes led to a big one that I probably would not have got if I'd have, you know, pulled something, a big swim bait out or something like that. So my approach was slightly different this year. But yeah, going back to the forward facing, finding everything on my side scan and precise casts with my forward facing for sure. Yeah, they definitely work in a cohesive manner, right? Like they yep. they just do. But 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 when I guess when I said I don't put you in that bucket, I'm talking about a lot. And I know everybody idols; they spend a countless amount of time behind the the console. But there are a lot of people in that forward facing only world that just drop the trolling motor and go right. Like they're just looking around. They they get a group of fish. They they find particular cover, but that's all they rely on. And I guess that's what I meant. Uh, yeah. Going back to that statement is you you really growing up on the Tennessee River, uh, even though you're a lot younger than I am, we never had that. So it's a lot of learning about why bass are where they are. And I know you're very good at that from a paper map standpoint. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that old school, I feel like you learned growing up on Kentucky Lake, man, you have to excel at offshore. And I'm not necessarily talking about deep water. I'm just yeah. talking about off the bank because of the way our fishery set up and, and you put that hand in hand with Fort facing. It's pretty daggum dangerous, obviously, but I, man, I, I love that so much that approach on getting bites, because I think so many times I hate the cliches that people say swinging for the fences tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Um, I get why they say it or why they feel like they're going to, but I feel like being around fish is obviously huge and when you find something that fish are biting you will end up getting a good bite or two in that day if you find and i think something that you would probably agree with as well is finding numbers of fish is a big deal right like i mean that's huge yeah for sure and you know we went to a lot of new places this year and there is so much dead water in the best fisheries so much dead water in the best fisheries. You know, people say this about Florida, like 95% of the fish live in 5% of the water. For sure. It may not be that true to everywhere else, but it does correlate to an 80-20 or a 70-30%. And it felt like this year, me getting out of those dead areas, and if I if I went somewhere and got a couple bites, I'm like, okay, there's some fish here. Let me break this down a little bit further. So it seemed like if I got into an area, a pocket or, you know, a mile section with fish this year, instead of hitting all the, just the few high percentage places in that area, I was looking for every stump, every rock, every stick off the bank. Cause like once you got around them, there's a lot more fish there than you actually think is there. So that, that was something I did a lot different this year too, is if I got in a good area, really picked it apart for what it was worth. And and that probably helps in those opens as well because the field size, right? Like because if you yeah. get to running around, once the derby starts going, there's 
there are people, and, and this is just speaking from experience, there are people sitting everywhere, sometimes yeah. two and three and four people sitting everywhere. So I think that's that's so smart to approach it like, hey, I'm going to take this area right here, draw a circle around it. I'm going to find everything I can right here. Yeah. Yeah. And that, almost every tournament this year, that's, that's the way I did fairly well. Um, I would expand, fish the whole lake in a day. And, okay, hey, I got areas in this creek. Let me spend my time over there. And like I said, every stump or stick or whatever, you'll be amazed at how many residential fish are out there. Not just on a bank, on a bluegill bed, but one fish living on a stump for weeks at a time. One fish living on a stick or a rock or something like that. And if you can find enough of those, and you, you can end up with five, you know, five fish a day. That's something I did a lot this year, whether they were garden fry or just living on something just off the bank. Um, yeah, basically catching residential fish with those dragon baits, you know, make sure I get that bite before I make that fish smart. That's, that's such a cool approach. And man, I, I, if I'm fishing the opens next year, I got a notebook listening to this, you yeah. know, <laughs> need to yeah. take notes uh, because John Garrett kind of, figured it out he's he's always been a bass catcher but he put it together for nine events so looking forward to to the elite series looking looking at 2024 two and a half days of practice call it right for the most part a lot of these bodies of water instead of five this year how will you change your mindset or will you have to is it just going to be kind of the same deal of because obviously making the classics a big deal if you get an opportunity to, to win of course you want to seize that moment, but for you, is it, is it almost like, you know, our favorite football team, the uh, Tennessee volunteers that got, that got beat by Alabama. Uh, I feel like when they started that game in Tuscaloosa, they came out firing, but it's like, let's do some things to get our quarterback comfortable. Is that how you're going to approach the elite series? The big game? Is it like, all right, let me, let me start with some little short passes here just to get my confidence up. Let's get some bites, or is it, hey, I'm coming out swinging. How how will you approach that first practice of the Elite Series? You know, I'm probably going to do, you know, a version of the same thing. Um, is I, I want to stick to way with the way that I like to fish. Um, doing that offshore deal, whether I'm finding a school of fish or, you know, capitalizing on residential individual fish, but it's going to be tough, you know, transitioning from, you know, five days of practice, what I've been doing for three years now, four years now, because that gives you so much time to find a stump on the middle of a flat. You know, I, I may sp- spend three hours idling to find that stump um, that produced a few fish to the tournament. Don't know if that's going to be able to be the same case going forward, especially since I'm probably not going to pre-practice those places, um, you know, hopefully find cover the lake, find produ- productive water, just kind of sample through practice and then get in that area in a tournament that I like the most, then maybe expand through the tournament day. Cause uh, with five days of practice, we're able to fish most of the lake, you know, cause you can fish oh, yeah. a lot of water in five days, but when you cut that practice in half, your time is pretty crunched. So I think a big thing for me transitional practice next year is going to be move a lot. Don't spend a lot of time in an area. 
Um, maybe after day and a half, two days, if I find an area that I like, maybe then go back and break it down a little more. Um, but I think what a lot of those guys do and what I'm probably going to do is break down the water, get an area that I like, and break it down even further in the tournament, like a specific area instead of the entire lake. So sample the lake and break that water down during the tournament, which you know, I haven't done to that extent yet. I've had to do it some days this year, but yeah, transition for all of us, I would say. Um, no doubt. Entire field, yeah. Well, and, and some of these guys that made it, John, I mean, you know, I mean, they've spent weeks and weeks and weeks pre-fishing before this year's change, you know, at certain bodies of water. And and if you can do it, then by George, do it. But like you're saying, you're not going to be able to find every single stick and stump. You are you are going to have to expand. And how many times, though, do you watch Bassmaster Live and at the end, uh, the guy's like, man, I had a terrible practice and it all came together during the tournament because two and a half days is nothing. Three days is nothing really on some of the immense bodies of water that they go to. Uh, and, and the time of year that they fish a lot, you know, the spring time frame, things change by the hour sometimes as well. So it's, I do think it's, it's very smart to approach it like you're going to. Do you have out of the schedule, do you have one circled? I mean, obviously everybody's going to be like Tennessee River, Wheeler. You're probably going to be pretty excited about that one in June. You've had success there before, but uh, but is there there a tournament that you're really looking forward to? I'll be honest with you, all of them look okay. Um, I, I really like the, um, of course, everybody's going to like it, that um, one in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina. Um, Murray. Murray. Yeah, Murray's going to be a, a really, a really, really good tournament. Um, and Toledo Bend, of course, and, and Forks. They're going to be really good tournaments. It, it's going to be nice, especially to start off the year at Toledo Bend and Fork, like, with the and it, it gives you more, you know, boost and practice knowing, dude, I am on a really good place. I need to be finding big ones. You know, it's 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 it pushes you through practice, even though it's kind of scary. But those are going to be, you know, probably dominated offshore. And uh, not saying I'll find them in those tournaments, but me knowing, spending my entire practice offshore, that I'm probably doing the right thing, whether I'm finding that spot or not um turn just tournaments that i know that in my mind and practice i'm not thinking man let me go look on that bank over there let me go flip those bushes so i like the two texas tournaments and the um one in south carolina for murray i think murray's going to be yeah it always is a fantastic tournament so i'm definitely looking forward to going there that lake man this year alone that lake i've got dear friends that live out there and and it just January to, to now, it's just been on fire, man. Like it hasn't really hit a lull. They were catching them in July and August out there. So yeah, Murray's definitely back in business. It seems, uh, I went through a little bit of a lull like so many lakes do, but it's certainly firing off. And there's, there's a weird feeling. And I've talked about this on here many times, but when you said Toledo Bend and Fork and knowing you got to have big ones, there's a bizarre feeling that comes about when you're practicing for a tournament like that, just knowing any cast could be the bass of a lifetime. There are very few fisheries that you get to go to in tournaments that are like that. And you get to go back to back to lead a Ben fork. That's uh, that's, that's just going to be, I don't know, man. It's just such a strange feeling knowing that 
dude, any, any cast could be a 10 plus pounder and uh, get you right back in it. But also, you know, like you said, in practice, you you don't need to be fishing for no damn three pounders. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you know, it's kind of like what we were saying about the St. Lawrence river. It's like those places are fun, but it keeps everybody focused because yeah. you're on a place that has them. Everybody knows that. So they're on their game from daylight to dark and practice and the tournament. I don't know, like you said, it just gives you a feeling while you're there. Like, man, not having a good day on day one, but this next, you know, root system on this stump may have a 10 on it, you know, or pass. So, um, yeah, it's the schedule looks really good as far as a fish catching standpoint for next season. And, you know, it's, I like this, not going to be a strictly bed fishing deal. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, the schedule for sure. Not saying I'm going to do well, but you know, just being at those places that are awesome, we're going to great times of year. Just kind of, you know, a little exciting. I'll say that. Oh yeah, man, and 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 I'll, I kudos to them. Familiar fisheries, but at different times. Yeah. As far as when they're typically on that elite series schedule, I was talking to uh, Matt Airy a couple of days ago about that very thing. You know, it's a it's a lot of the same venues, obviously which fans like to gripe about, but yeah. different time of year, man. I'm, I'm really, I've kind of got that Toledo Ben one circled as far as just the most intriguing of the year. I think that one could be, you know, some big time fireworks there, man. That that place kicks them out, as we all know. And and I think it, weather permitting, you know, too, it gets ugly and angry at yeah. times, but uh, that one's going to be, that was going to be a big fish derby to say the very least. Uh, I ask, I th- feel like over the last couple of years, any qualifiers for the elites I have on here, uh, I like this question just because I think it's important, you know, from being on the road myself, it, it's hard to do it on your own. It's, it's good to have that comfort level and traveling with somebody, booking, lodging, sharing, hell, just sharing dinner with somebody at the end of the night, at the end of a long practice day. Who are you looking at uh, traveling with? Are you you flying solo? What's that look like for you headed into 2024? Yeah, um, you know, this past year I had a great group of guys. Um, one of the guys, Logan Parks, I travel with. He he okay. made it, he made it as well. Um, and I got a couple old college buddies. You know, KJ and Cody Huff are there. Um, good rough friend, bunch, dude. Rough bunch. That's yeah, a rough it, bunch. yeah, rough bunch for sure. <laughs> Um, you know, I got me and Mark Menendez are been yeah. great for, for a long time. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I'm definitely going to be traveling with some guys and no matter which route I choose to travel with, I, I'm going to have some good people by my side and cutting the cost, breaking down fisheries, cutting up at night. It makes it so much better. Um, so yeah, I haven't, haven't really, uh, tied any of that down yet. We just kind of loosely been talking about it. And, just had a baby girl, my wife. Um, yeah. She she's thinking about coming too. So, got got to work that out for sure. It's been been a big topic in my house the past few days. So we haven't nailed all those pieces down, but working on it. And, and that's a big move right there in itself, right? If your family comes and and that's a that's a different situation for sure. So a lot of changes coming in John Garrett Fishing's life. But man, I, I know you can. I know you can handle it. Uh, dude, something I saw on Bassmaster.com, and I just got to ask this because I, I I don't know you well enough to know why you would list this, but I got to hear the story because I, I too love basketball, but it says hobbies, hunting, fishing, basketball. I mean, are you throwing down? 
Like on Tuesday nights? Are you dunking? Are you it, playing some AAU ball? What's going on? It has dramatically slowed down this year. <laughs> I will say that. Um, you know, I played basketball at middle school through high school and, okay. you know, played a ton at Bethel. And uh, really until this year, I played every Tuesday and Thursday night. And it just slowed down just the past few months, these tournaments and since our daughter was born. But I love it. The one thing that I love about it is that I hate exercising. I, <laughs> yeah, obviously I hate exercise, but I do enjoy playing basketball. So I'm like, all right, it's probably good for me to go play basketball for a couple hours, you know. Um, so I've slowed down, but since uh, these terms have stopped, I'll probably start back up this winter, probably play until uh, – end of February. But yeah, most of the time I do play twice a week, except the That's past awesome. two months since my daughter's been born. Yeah. So, well, we got to pick, you know, who on the elite series or are, are your other four for a starting five? Oh you got to pick Holman, right? Holman down low. You got to put Holman yeah. down low. Holman can ball. Yeah. I mean, I'm not Jason Christie coached basketball forever. He's obsessed. He, with it. He's just like a rugged guy. I feel like he would rough somebody up and not even feel bad about little it. Power, <laughs> little power forward action from Jay yep, Exactly, yeah. And you got to have someone small dribbling the ball up front. So, probably, I mean, I don't know if Trey McKinney plays basketball or not. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. But he, he's young enough where he's had the stamina to push through a game unlike yeah. I would. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going Shane LeHue, my point guard. I don't even know if he can dribble. Yeah. I'm going Shane LeHue. He's that little – little spider monkey, Polinick, somebody like that on the point. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I know. I know Christy will throw down. He like he likes to uh, – you walk up to him first term and tell him to challenge him a little one-on-one. He Christy likes to get him a dose of basketball. Yeah, I, I know for sure that Cody and KJ will not play basketball because after we get done with our classes at Bethel, I could never coax him into playing. Never. They were going to the lake. I was trying to recruit guys to play basketball. They were going. <laughs> that might be why they were in the leads a few years before I was. I was going to say, dude, it, they paid off for them a little bit. But yeah, still, it, it did, yeah. No doubt about it. Well, I, you said you don't like to exercise. Well, dude, two hours of basketball every every couple nights, you know, a couple nights a week, there is nothing, nothing like full-court basketball when yeah, you're going, yeah. I mean, dude, I can't even, I'm so out of shape right now. I can barely, uh, you know, walk up a flight of stairs, but I love basketball. Uh, I'm, I'm short, stubby and fat, which is not a prototypical basketball player, but I played for years and years and years. My sons all play. absolutely love it. I love watching basketball, love college basketball, love everything about it, but nothing will work you harder than thinking, hell, I can run up and down this court. Let's bring yeah. <laughs> a game at a church. And you're like, dude, I got this. And within about, you know, three minutes, your side's hurting. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm just going to – you guys need any water? You guys need yeah. any – I'm not turning into a coach at yeah. that point. Trust me. My, but uh, yeah, I saw that, and I was like, I wonder wonder how much he plays. My wife had zero issues with me playing basketball until this year. Because this year I came home, I was half dead, my back hurt. The next morning I was sore. She's like, John, your basketball days might be getting close to over. I'm like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Next day, I'm like, mm, she might be right. 
you got the icy hot out popping some leaves yeah. you know just to get out of bed yeah. yeah yeah i can only imagine what i would be like right now not now listen i've got my 16 year old he plays for high school here and he's always like come on old man like he wants a dose in the driveway and yeah. up until this year i could hang but he shot up about four inches now he's bigger than dad and he'll throw you around he's yeah. pretty good i'm like i'm good i'm good yeah. on all that. dad's gonna dad's gonna blow his knee out down yeah. here in the driveway it's gonna happen for sure uh well dude if you get listen for social media content wise everybody wants content these days load them up load them up man make them go play with you i want to see cody huff put the live scope away shooting a jumper come on yeah. huff i'm challenging you right now <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Cody Huff. That's a yeah. that is a that's a guy much like yourself that I feel like is going to be around in this sport. We're going to do a lot of these interviews with you boys for a long time to come, man. I interviewed Cody right after he won Toledo Bend in college the first time, and he just a lot like yourself, wise beyond his years, veteran. Even though you guys haven't been around that long technically in the sport, and man, he just talking to him that first time, I was like. Um, this guy's going to be a problem for years to come, and he's he's it's coming true. Obviously, he's he's something else. Yeah, I'm gonna call Cody out on something because <laughs> yes. right now it the fishing world is wrapped around the forward facing stink. I feel like he calls that at the Toledo Bend tournaments. Um, when we were in college before that happened. He got one on his boat and he was like, dude, John, this thing is legit. Like, this is awesome. And I'm like, dude, catch a crappie with it. That's about it. I just literally shrugged it off at the side. Like, Cody's blowing smoke. Well, the first time of the year went to Toledo Bend, wrecked him. He stayed another week, won a Costa. And uh, ever since then, you're starting to see those transducers on everybody's trolling motor. Like, true. Didn't hear about it really, and you know, I will blame Cody for the forward facing stink. I'm gonna say that all the drama around fishing is because of Cody Huff. <laughs> Dude, you're <laughs> not wrong. It, yeah. Back on like every, because I've said, hey, it was introduced in 2018. Uh, why the big deal now? And really, it started getting noticed. I mean, a lot of guys obviously on the elites and and the major tours were using it before then, but Cody. Those two events, I, I do thinking back on that. You're right, man. Like those were those were monumental. I feel like, yeah, they were. And as big and as college fishing is, and as was when we were there, the guys that were there, and how everybody's in on technology at a younger age and learning about stuff. He was literally probably one of the only ones with that on his boat for a solid half a season, Whew. and then. Literally every, as you know now, it's on everybody's boat, and I see oh. it through. College, I see it through college fishing. It's like Cody's got it; he's won two tournaments on it. It must be legit. And then it starts popping up. This boat, that boat, my boat. I was one of the first ones to buy one after he won that tournament. You know, um, but yeah, no doubt that was, if not the reasoning, the start of the upward climb for the Ford facing for, for sure. And I bet he sold so many of those to people around bull shoals. 
that's what I always give them crap about. I'm like, dude, do you ever go there and not catch 20 plus pounds when everybody else catches like 14? Because it's yeah. just absurd what that kid does out there, man. But you're right. And I remember on the show we did, and I forget what year that was now. I'm old. Uh, turn 40 this year, John. So that's what you got to look for to your mind goes <laughs> with everything else. But uh, but him talking about Clun wanting to lean on him to learn more about forward facing it on the show and he wasn't saying it in a in a you know arrogant way at all it was like we were just talking about rick clun being his mentor and him getting to fish with clun so much and and then i ended up uh later that year i remember reading an article where clun talked about cody and this young angler that was inspiring him and that taught him a lot about forward facing and you're going man this i'm like this this is wild where all this is headed and now um you know it's every facebook commenter's worst nightmare they hate it Everybody hates it because of Cody Huff. So yes, I'm I'm gonna make a shirt that says it's Cody's fault. I think yeah for NBL, for the low livers. <laughs> I'll have some make send it to you. You start wearing it during the Elite Series events. I it's will. Cody's fault. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I bet he's fine with it. Because even, oh. even though, and you know this, you especially with side scan and and the things that you've had at your fingertips for so long, and being able to you know uh, combine that with great map study and things like like you have to do like we mentioned earlier on the tennessee river you're ahead of the curve still of a lot of people on that and cody even though everybody's got it he was seeing what triggered those fish you know what i'm saying like he's still got an advantage i he freaked me out uh not to just turn this in the cody huff show because we're talking about john garrett but he freaked me out so bad at smith lake in the open and you were in it the open down there uh in the fall and dude i i've just I, I said i'm out of my league here like this is just changing this is changing so fast because i'm a i'd sunk dude i put in more work for that event i'm an hour and 40 from smith and but just watching him drop the trolling motor and just find him in the abyss and you're going and i'm running pat and he and cody's the sweetest guy in the world we talk at the way in he'd go yeah this is what i'm doing <laughs> because he knows you're not going to be able to do it (laughs) he's like yeah old man i this is exactly what i'm doing bud but uh so crazy man so crazy but uh that's why i think that this rookie class again yourself included it's going to be uh 2024 is going to be interesting and i don't i don't know that it gets a lot better than this rookie class that we saw in 23 with joey and and fajita and and so many uh you know will davis these guys were all duking it out. David Gaston had a fantastic year. Brian Smith. It was a heck of a class. But uh, you boys are you boys are fixing to make some noise. Yeah, and, and kind of going back to what you said about Cody being honest about what he was doing, is that looking back on the year, you know, all all the guys in the points race, we talk, you know, beef around each other, poke each other around. Um there was so much honesty this year through the those top guys. It was unbelievable because it was like talk to JT, talk to Trey, talk to Logan, like Wesley, like all these guys that made it. You talk to them, they were just so honest and upfront. Like, hey, dude, this is what I'm doing. Like, you could try, but you ain't gonna beat me doing it. Like, I, I'm no reason to lie to you. It was like, you know, most every year you hear, you know. Everybody calls it doc talk, which is yeah. most, mostly false, you know, practice day recaps. Or, <laughs> um, but these guys, like, they're so honest. 
like I, you know, talk to them about their days. Like they just tell you up front what they're doing, how they were catching. Tyler, Tyler Williams was another one of them, and Kyle Patrick. It's like, you know, they tell you what you're doing, and then after the tournament, you watch some of the top ten recaps, doing exactly what they told you they were doing. They they weren't afraid to tell you what they were doing, not necessarily saying they're trying to help you out, um, but they weren't lying about what they were doing. So, I mean, that was kind of honesty. Yeah. All honesty and not because they were trying to get in your head. They were are saying, Hey, do this. They were just telling you what they were doing because they knew they were going to do that and probably beat you doing it on it really is what it come down to. Yeah. And, and they're just dialed, right? Once you get yep. confident on something, I can tell you a million times what I'm doing, but it's still hard to duplicate other yep. people's fish. Right. Uh, Jordan Lee post made a post with a, a hat that says, find your own fish. It was yeah. great, but it is, it's so hard to replicate that. If JT says, yeah, I'm throwing this in brush piles, John, I mean, a little hint might help every now and then, but he knows exactly where he needs to have the boat position for what's working for him that week and exactly how to fish that jig or whatever he's throwing. And the same with you, with what you've got going. I, I love to hear that because I think that's, that's a new age thing because them old school guys are pretty tight lipped. You know that. Oh, no doubt. And going and back for good to, reason, a lot of times for good yeah, reason, for a lot of good reason. You're right. And going back to when I was at Bethel, you know, and it, it probably has a lot to do. I know that, you know, uh, you know, for instance, like Trey and Kyle, like there's a lot of guys that they made it that didn't fish college. But like when I was in college, me and Cole Floyd and, Brian, Paul, and Cody, and oh. let's see. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can't see you. But what the heck? Do I need to refresh this? I'm not sure. I think you're good. You mean just keep talking? Yeah, just keep talking, buddy. You're Dang. good. We're fixing our winder up anyways, but you're good. All right. We're just a little icon. I'll put a beautiful picture of you. <laughs> the I appreciate it. I don't know what happened. It just cut out on me, but it's just that newer generation thing where we were always helping each other through college, make it through. And we learned that it helped way more than it hurt. We learned so much about the fisheries versus us giving info because 99% of the time we would get that reciprocation back at the next tournament or two tournaments down the road we were able to learn such a valuable piece to the puzzle that we kept with us forever you know so networking man networking is huge no matter what you do in life but especially in the tournament world and i feel like your age and younger uh anglers they do it better there's john garrett back there we are uh but i feel like they that you guys do it better than anybody ever has that's for sure um yeah. and and it does help you break down fisheries and it'll help you this year you know you said trey mckinney didn't fish in college is he old enough to go to college i don't even know what's the minimum age for college trey's a, he's a little boy at he this had point. he probably had to wait to get in the opens to be <laughs> honest with you until this year yeah uh um, he's like 19 is trey yeah, 19 I, he might be 18 i'm not sure how old he is um but if you go back and listen to the Bassmaster podcast that Ronnie and Kyle Jesse did, they they said something that kind of blew that, that blew my mind is that Trey still has to fish four years, three or four years in the elites before he can go out with whoever he's traveling with and have a 
uh, alcoholic beverage <laughs> because he's not old enough. Just just to think that he is that young, he has to wait three more years before he can do that. That's impressive how what what he's done. So listen, it left Harris Chain came to Pickwick up here on my home pond and beat the snot out of some boys in an Illinois tournament catching big bags. And uh, yeah, uh, Mr. McKinney's going to be around for a while, I would say. Yeah, That's no for problem. sure. Uh, but that is really funny. Now, I, d- I refuse to listen to anything Ronnie Moore and Kyle Jesse do. I've been a part of that podcast, but those guys, I just, I can't, I can't give, yeah. I can't <laughs> let them be in my ears. I love, yeah. I love, I love those guys. And that podcast is great. The Bassmaster podcast. Fantastic with those boys. Yeah. For sure. John Garrett. Dude, I appreciate you spending some time yeah, with the sure. lifers. I know you got that baby, you got that family, and and you probably got basketball practices. <laughs> I'm gonna start lining some stuff up. So yeah, dude. Hey, if if you ever get close, you need somebody to be a water boy. I'm 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 there. Okay. You know, when you guys are wheeler next year down in Decatur. I'm an hour up the road. Just give me a call, I'll throw y'all some Gatorades, and watch y'all blow your knees out because I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> John Garrett, make sure you're following John Garrett fishing all on social media. Big year for him coming up. He got in there, Bassmaster EQ, second place. John, I appreciate you, dude, very much. Yeah, dude, appreciate it, Luke. Thanks, John Garrett, everybody. Thank you, buddy. See ya. All right, that's all she wrote with John Garrett headed to the 2024 Bassmaster Elite Series after a long road. Hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Like I said before in the intro, John is one of my Favorite guys I've met in the industry in many years. He's a good young man, good head on his shoulders, and he's going to do big things. This this rookie class, as we discussed, is absolutely freaking insane, but they come with a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of tournament experience, and I, it would not surprise me at all to see John get his first big win in the Bassmaster Elite Series this coming season. Appreciate each and every one of y'all tuning in. Keep your eyes peeled. We may do a a middle-of-the-week show again this week before I head to MPFL. I don't know. I don't know. We'll definitely have another one next Monday with most likely the MPFL Angle of the Year and NPFL winner there from Lake Lanier. Will it be the same person? Will Todd Goad win both? Hmm. He knows that lake really well. Be sure to tune in to MPFL this week. We are going to have a good time. Myself, Fat Cat Newton, we kick things off on Friday for the broadcast. We'll be doing the weigh-in in show. This is the last ride of the year. Things are getting interesting over there. I promise you there's going to be plenty of drama, plenty of storylines, and plenty of fish catches. So tune in. We'll take you all out with some Biloxi Blues, like always. And I will see you all next week. Maybe Wednesday. Next week. Maybe Wednesday. Who knows? Who knows? Spanish See Civil War ghosts. Well, I'm going to leave them in the past. Any direction, Lord, I'll be fine. It don't matter east or west. North, south, wherever the wind blows, I'm leaving those burdens in rest. This highway, it does not know my name, and I don't care, no. And a spare Just a white line gypsy Getting out of Mississippi With just enough gas to